Please open your Bibles with me to the book of Hebrews. book of Hebrews, and we'll be looking at chapter 2. In our last visit to the book of Hebrews, we considered the greatness of our salvation, indeed the greatness of our Savior and His great salvation. As the apostle writes, we saw there in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 3, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation. And in viewing it, this great salvation, spoke of here in the book of Hebrews, chapter 2, verse 3, we considered it under three headings. First, we saw the purpose of this great salvation, how that our Heavenly Father did not set this great salvation in motion as some sort of maybe plan to try and save everyone, but rather God purposed in eternity to save all of his elect. Our great God says of his great salvation, Surely as I have thought, so shall it come to pass. And as I have purposed, so shall it stand. Indeed, the poor of his people trust in it. Secondly, we considered the procurement, that is to say the obtaining of this great salvation. How that our Heavenly Father has obtained this great salvation by and through his Son. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. And that, beloved, not by our works, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. And lastly, we considered the promise of this great salvation. We considered the the promise of this great salvation in putting that solemn question in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 3, that question that declares, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? We put it another way. Shall we perish if we are not neglecting this great salvation? Indeed, this great Savior? Certainly not. For if the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, we shall be kept by the power of our Heavenly Father through the uprightness and faithfulness of His beloved Son. Beloved, In Christ, nothing can harm us. As Paul put it ever so blessedly, we saw it there last Wednesday. I'd like to hear it again. (laughs) I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. For our portion this evening, we shall look upon Hebrews chapter 2 again and read through to Hebrews chapter 3, verse 6. Now, just a word before we begin reading this little word, therefore, in Hebrews chapter 1, verse, chapter 2, rather, verse 1. And this word here, therefore, it has much connected with it. This word, therefore, Since our Heavenly Father has spoken to us by His Son, since we have a full revelation of His mercy and righteousness in Christ by His blood and righteousness, since Christ, who is infinitely better than any angel, prophet, or priest, the Apostle writes, beginning there in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1, Therefore, 
we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken of, spoken by the Lord, and it was confirmed unto us by them that heard him. God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders, and with diverse miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost, according to his own will. For under the angels hath he not put in subjection the world to come, whereof we speak. But one in a certain place testified, saying, What is man that thou art mindful of him, or the son of man that thou visitest him? Thou madest him a little lower than the angels. Thou crownedest him with glory and honor, and didst set him over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. But now we see not yet all things put under him. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. For it became him for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons unto glory." to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one, for which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I will declare thy name unto unto my brethren. In the midst of the church will I sing praise unto thee. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children which God hath given me, for as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. Wherefore in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself hath suffered, being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus who was faithful to him that appointed him, as also Moses was faithful to all his house. For this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who hath builded the house hath more honor than the house. For every house is builded by some man, but he that built all things is God. And Moses verily was faithful in all his house as a servant, for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken after. But Christ, as a son over his own house, whose house are we, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. Amen. I trust the Lord will bless the reading of his word to the hearts of his people here this evening. 
This evening, we shall study our portion under the following headings. And if the Lord is pleased, we shall see there three things. First, the captain of our salvation. Second, the call of our salvation. And lastly, beloved, the confidence of our salvation. Paul writes in verse 10 of Hebrews chapter 2, For it became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. The apostle sets forth for our consideration this blessed expression, the captain of their salvation. This word captain is the same word found later in the book of Hebrews, translated as the word author. In Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2, the apostle writes, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. So let us upon, so let us look upon a few particulars of the captain, indeed the author of our salvation. Paul writes in verse 10, it became him, that is, it became our heavenly father for whom are all things and by whom are all things which attributes to the Father the same co-ownership and co-authorship of creation as the Son. Do you remember what Paul told us in the first chapter in verse 2? That by the Son, the Father made the worlds. Paul continues and tells us that the captain of our salvation is bringing many sons to glory, reminding us once again of the very words of our Lord. Our Lord, in describing for whom he would die, does not say that the Son of Man came to give his life a ransom for a few, or for that matter that he came to give his life a ransom for everyone. Rather, very blessedly, does the Holy Spirit tell us here by his servant Paul that our Heavenly Father's righteous servant shall justify many, indeed that he is bringing many sons unto glory." Our Lord himself declares the purpose and design of his perfect obedience unto death, which the apostle styles here as our Lord being made perfect through sufferings. Our Lord declared as the captain of our salvation, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. And in another place, he prayed to his heavenly father, just before giving his life as the ransom payment for his sheep, He prayed, I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me. Beloved, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Now, as the Son of God, in the fullness of his deity, I say this because he is not part God. Rather, very blessedly, he is entirely God. And as the Son of God, and as God... He is holy, holy, holy. And in becoming our surety and being made obedient as being entirely a man, he is holy in thought, holy in word, and holy in deed. The Son of Man established a perfect righteousness, indeed 
perfect obedience to the law of God on our behalf. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 5, a few chapters to your right, and look there, beginning in verse 8 of Hebrews chapter 5. The apostle writing here writes, Though he were a son, indeed the Son of God, yet as the Son of Man, he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. Beloved, never forget it. Our Lord Jesus Christ is the captain of our salvation. Indeed, the author of our salvation and everything related to it. When he lived upon the earth as a man, our Lord was writing the book of our acceptance, our holiness, indeed, our reconciliation by and through his blood and righteousness. Friend, if God should open the book of your life, if that is where you are to be found, you will be condemned for the filthy, ruined rags of your sinful life, not being found in the life of Christ. Beloved, I don't want to be found in the pages and chapters of my book. I want to be found in the pages and chapters of his. And friend, I trust you want the same. That is to be found in the Lamb's book of life and see by God's grace that the author of your salvation is the Lord Jesus Christ. Friend, don't keep your life. Lose it for Christ's sake. For if you are found on that day in the pages of your life, not only will your so-called pretended righteousness condemn you, but that wicked idea that persists in you, even this very evening, that you can go to heaven by taking the law as your rule for life. How do you imagine you will do on that day when you have not fulfilled the first or second great commandments, let alone all the jots and tittles of the law? Our Lord declares, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like, namely this, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Do you think to yourself you have fulfilled these great commandments? How are they to be fulfilled? Beloved, they are all fulfilled by the law fulfiller, by the living and dying of the captain of our salvation, indeed the author of our faith, the Lord Jesus Christ. When the Holy Spirit gives an evil, wicked sinner faith in him and the saving work of his great salvation, he at once judges himself dead and in newness of life, presents to his heavenly Father the perfect righteousness of Christ. The apostle says, Do we then make void the law through faith? God forbid, yea, we establish the law. Under the teaching of the blessed Spirit, we find the Lord Jesus magnified it, made it honorable, and brought in an everlasting righteousness. When the Holy Spirit gives us faith, to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. We are then swallowed up in Christ 
and, and can appear before a heart-searching God without blame. Christ has completed by his blessed obedience, dying and rising, the great salvation of God's people. Indeed, he is bringing many sons unto glory. Friend, though you don't see it now, as Paul says in verse 8, we see not yet all things put under Christ. Beloved, one blessed day, every mocking tongue, every haughty look, every blasphemous laugh and joke will be put to silence by the one our Heavenly Father has crowned with glory and honor. Friend, either in great salvation or in great damnation, your tongue shall confess him, Lord of lords and King of kings. For it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 2. Look there with me, in, beginning in verse 5. The Apostle Paul, indeed God's word declares here, in verse 5 of Philippians chapter 2, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon himself and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. All right, let us proceed with our second heading, The Call of Our Salvation. But there in, in verse 11, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 11. The apostle writes, For both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one, for which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren. The apostle very blessedly points to the very teaching of our Lord with respect to whom he shall not be ashamed to call his brethren. In two of the Gospels, it is recorded that one of the crowd brought to his attention that his mother and brethren stood without and desired to speak with him. Turn with me to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 12. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 12. And look there with me, beginning in verse 46. Matthew, chapter 12. And we'll pick up reading there in verse 46. While he yet talked to the people, behold, his mother and his brethren stood without desiring to speak with him. Then one said unto him, Behold, thy mother and thy brethren stand without desiring to speak with thee. 
But he answered and said unto him that told him, Who is my mother? And who are my brethren? And he stretched forth his hand toward his disciples and said, Behold my mother and my brethren. For whosoever shall do the will of my Father which is in heaven, the same is my brother and sister and mother. Notice how plainly and simply the Holy Spirit describes how the prince of preachers went about preaching. It says right here, he talked to the people. <laughs> As is often the case, when one is talking of the things of Christ, of his heavenly kingdom, and of his substitutionary righteousness, it is remarkable how frequently someone is moved as if they were a messenger of Satan to interrupt such blessed discourse with things of no importance. No matter how pressing something may appear to be, nothing is more pressing than giving our full attention when someone is talking about the things of our Lord, indeed declaring the gospel of his blessed person and his finished saving work. How much more the case in this, this instance right here. Here our blessed Lord is talking to the people, indeed preaching to them of the things of his kingdom and his righteousness. And rather than wait till his discourse was concluded, someone interrupts him. And what happens? What happens when our Lord is interrupted? Does our Lord get irritated? <laughs> Does he go off on this one who has interrupted him? Not at all. <laughs> Rather, very blessedly, he uses the interruption as a further occasion to preach the gospel. How so? Look there in verse 48. He says, Who is my mother? And who are my brethren? And he stretched forth his hand toward his disciples and said, Behold my mother and my brethren. For whosoever shall do the will of my Father which is in heaven, the same as my brother and sister and mother. Friend, if you shall do the will of the Father which is in heaven, you will know what the apostle means when he says that our Lord Jesus Christ is not ashamed to call his people brethren. Do you know what the will of our Heavenly Father is? Before I tell you what the will of the Father is, let me first tell you why you may hear it and receive it to the saving of your soul. I trust it will bless and comfort God's people to see how the captain of our salvation indeed calls us to hear. Turn with me to the Gospel of Luke. Look there in chapter 8. <clears throat> verse 8, the latter part of verse 8. Luke's Gospel, chapter 8, in the latter part of verse 8, we read these words. And when he had said these things, our Lord Jesus Christ cried, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. The word cried is also rendered called, and be sure of it, our blessed Lord is calling upon his heavenly Father on behalf of his people, on behalf of every one of his beloved people. Let them hear. In Luke chapter 8, verse 9, 
We read these words. And his disciples asked him, saying, What might this parable be? And he said, Unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. But to others in parables, that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are they that hear. Then cometh the devil, and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. They on the rock are they, which when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no root, for, for, for which for a while believe, and in time of temptation fall away. And that which fell among thorns are they which, when they have heard, go forth and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life, and bring no fruit to perfection. But that on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. Now, before we take leave of this heading, the call of our salvation, I would be remiss if we did not address the question more fully to the text we have in view in Hebrews. The apostle writes here that our Lord is not ashamed to call them brethren. He says that in verse 11 of Hebrews chapter 2. Beloved, because of our union with him, because of our being sanctified with our union with him, and the sense here is not two together or, or two side by side. But beloved, very blessedly, we are all of one in Christ. That is to say, everything that is said of our Lord may be said of his beloved people. Is our Lord called blameless? Then so are we. And why is that? Because in Christ we are blameless. Is our Lord called unblameable? Then so are we. And why is that? Because in Christ we are unblameable. Is our Lord unreprovable? Then so are we. Is our Lord holy? Then so are we. Is our Lord without sin? Then so are we. And for this cause, beloved, he is not ashamed to call us brethren. For he has sanctified us with the word of his power. Beloved, of his own will begat he us with the word of truth, that we should be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. But never forget it, he let you hear the calling of your salvation. Now taking leave of our second heading, the call of our salvation, beloved, let us consider as our last heading the confidence of our salvation. From Hebrews chapter 2, verse 12 through to verse 6 of chapter 3, the apostles' design is chiefly to show us the confidence of our salvation. Having been called, indeed sanctified by the captain of our salvation, Paul shows us the confidence that God's people have in such a great salvation, indeed such a great Savior. Look over there in the next chapter, in chapter 3, in verses 1 to 5, the apostle takes the language of our blessed Lord, who declares of himself as one greater than the temple. Our Lord declares himself one as greater than Jonah. Indeed, our Lord declares himself as one greater than Solomon. And so the apostle sets forth our blessed Lord as one greater than faithful Moses. 
Paul declares that while Moses was indeed, and he writes here, faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken after, Paul says of Christ that rather than being a servant of a household, he is the prince, indeed the son over his own house, whose house we are. Beloved, we are the temple of the living God in Christ. And Paul concludes in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 6, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. Now please take note, the apostle does not speak of this confidence as a condition of our salvation, but very blessedly as a manifest token of our being saved. Friend, if the Lord has taught you, you may have taken notice that there are only two types of pretenders in the professing church. Now, though they seem quite different in their creed, both of them unite in trusting in self rather than in Christ. One pretender says, We all have need of salvation, and all have it in their power to save their own souls, only if they but perform the conditions of it, and speak of Christ as if he has done his part, and now all a lost sinner has to do is his. What a damning lie. Beloved, our salvation is of the Lord. The second pretender says pretty much the same thing. Though he may sound like a brother in Christ, he has neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his shape. And they say that salvation is full and free without any conditions on our part, And then say in the next breath, salvation is conditioned upon our repentance and faith. Now, while I know of no salvation apart from repentance and faith, repentance and faith are most certainly not the conditions of salvation, but rather the evidence that God indeed has loved you and has everlastingly saved you in Christ. One faithful minister puts it this way, quote, The scriptures make it abundantly clear that salvation is by God's free grace in Christ. The good news of the gospel is that since salvation is by grace, there is no condition a sinner must meet in order to be saved. The Lord Jesus Christ met every condition required to save his people so that they would have salvation freely. Beloved, not until the Lord makes a sinner to know experimentally, that he can do nothing by himself, that he can neither do nor can he believe in a way that pleases a heart-searching God until he shows him the great captain of our salvation. Beloved, do you remember what our Lord said regarding both your faith and the fruits that accompany it? Turn with me to John's Gospel, chapter 15. Look there in verse 5. Our Lord, speaking here, declares, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. Beloved, 
All of our salvation is to be ascribed to the captain of our salvation. Indeed, he is the author of it all. Beloved, all of our salvation is to be ascribed to the call of our salvation. Because of our blessed union with him, the prophet of God declares, Call them the holy people, the redeemed of the Lord, and thou shalt be called sought out a city not forsaken. Beloved, all of our salvation, indeed the confidence of our salvation, is having been made to see the twofold reconciliation of our Redeemer, that by his blood, as our sin atoning lamb, and by his righteousness, as our substitute man, we shall be heirs of salvation. The apostle tells us, wherefore in all things it behooved our Lord to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God. Christ has by his righteousness made reconciliation for all our iniquity. We are not found in the ruined heap of our filthy righteousness, but rather in the perfect righteousness of the well-pleasing man, Christ Jesus, our God. And he has perfectly obeyed and believed our Heavenly Father as a man in our stead. And not only that, what of your sins? Paul continues and tells us our blessed Redeemer has made reconciliation for the sins of the people. Beloved, not by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, Christ Jesus the Lord entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Amen.